I believe Verde Valley Christian Church, <clears throat> through Regen, through Christ, is going to change the Verde Valley. I hope that you have the courage to admit that you need people around you that understand that your struggle is their struggle, their struggle is your struggle, and that there are steps that you can take. I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we begin the message today, and as we will remind us that Regen is available at the end of the message also today. We are in part three of a very big topic. You in five years. You in five years. Now, we've been trying to get you to think in terms of how big this is. Unlike New Year's resolutions where we kind of have the effort to try harder for a year to make a difference and make some changes, we're making it bigger, okay? But we're making it bigger without that try harder approach. We're making it bigger with actually breaking it down into the smaller ongoing daily steps to accomplish far more than you ever thought was possible. But I want you to start thinking big because thinking big, five years from now, thinking really big is what's motivating. But then we have that really hard question of how. How do we accomplish something so big and motivating when it seems so daunting, so challenging? And so that's why we keep getting back to this bigness is accomplished when we break it down to the smallness of these daily doable steps. And so today we're talking about too small to fail, too small to fail. We're going to try to make it small and doable and we're going to look at some things from Scripture that actually tell us to uh, approach things in this way in terms of small. So who is the question? And the answer is you <laughs> in five years. But it's not how. You is not how. You're never going to be able to do it. That's why we're struggling with the whole New Year's thing. That's why Randy even said, you know, the problem is self. And when self is a problem, self's not the answer. And so you aren't the how. The Lord Jesus Christ and his power and the good news of the gospel and his spirit in your life is how. And then how do you walk that out with Jesus and these little steps that are quite doable with faith? And so we're going to put all that together um, each week and try to understand how to make this work for us. So how is the big question and it's more than a New Year's resolution. It's the big goal, but in small steps. The issue, though, is as motivating as a big goal is or something that God drops in your heart, I think I want to try this. And I want to motivate you to do some big thinking, to really spend some time thinking about what you'd love to be a part of, you'd love to have see, see accomplished in you and through you in five years, because it's motivating. But then when it comes right down to it, when you start taking those steps, it's so big that we feel inadequate. And so we're gonna deal with that concept today. And that's why we're talking about too small to fail. Moses 
described this very human tendency and human condition that we have when we see this challenge ahead that's too big for us and how we really feel like shutting down. Or is that just me? How many of you know what that's like? This challenge is too big for me. I feel totally inadequate. I keep trying and trying and trying. And that's why many of us have given up on the New Year's resolution thing. So it doesn't work. So this is looking again at a whole different way of thinking, a whole different way of operating, but on a grander, bigger scale. Okay? So we're going to be jumping into Deuteronomy, the words of Moses, but this falls right into, excuse me, my throat's really going to cause me fits. Maybe that'll do it. (laughs) Deuteronomy 7, let me just read it. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well that the Lord your God did to Fa- what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Now, those of you who know the Bible story begins in Genesis. Fabulous. God makes promises because men totally mess things up. And the big promise at the very beginning is that there's going to be a seed of the woman that's going to crush the head of the serpent, even though the serpent will bruise or strike his heel. So there's a mortal blow, but a crushing of the serpent. That's the promise at the very beginning. Then we get into Genesis chapter 12, and God chooses a man through whom this promise will be fulfilled in the future. And he says, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation, and through your seed, again, the seed of the woman, but through your seed, your offspring, there's going to be the blessing upon the whole globe. This promise is reiterated over and over and over again throughout the story. But it starts at Genesis 12, and then Genesis 15, and then keeps over and over again. God picks a very ordinary man who is not extraordinary, same thing, right? Ordinary, not extraordinary, just like you and me. Nothing unusual, makes a promise. In fact, if you read the story, you're going to go, whoa, why did he pick him? He's not so special. He's pretty worse than me, okay? And then God's promise is kept push forward, push forward. But the one thing that Abraham does that he's commended for is he believes God. So the first promise that God gives Abraham is that you're going to have a child. Now, he's very, very old. I've never been promised that I'm going to bear a child when I'm very, very old. I imagine that's a little hard to believe it. But because he's had enough encounters with God and God saying things and God proving himself He absolutely believes it's going to happen. Not only that he's going to have a child, even though Hebrew says his body is as good as dead, which is really great verbiage. (laughs) Okay? Even though his body is as good as dead and Sarah's body is as good as dead, they're going to have a child. So this God who is the God of creation, it's no barrier to him to bring a baby to very, very old couple. And Abraham believes God. And God credits him with, to, it, it credits Abraham as righteousness. It's a weird phrase that's repeated throughout scripture. 
He's like the father of the pattern that we're supposed to follow. Believe God, and this believing is going to connect you to the promise, not based on how you have power, you're as good as dead, but on God's power, and it's as if you are righteous, even though you're not righteous, and this pattern is rolled forward. Now, Abraham was told that he's going to have a mighty nation of offspring. This is not fulfilled in his lifetime, but he believes God. God even tells him that his mighty nation, this, before it's a nation, it's going to be an ensla- enslaved for 400 years. And now we've come past that 400 years, past the clash of the gods. God, the Lord God, who is the only true God, confronts Egypt and all the false gods, and plague after plague after plague releases these offspring of Abraham to now bring them into their nationhood status and he releases them from Egypt and now right before going into the promised land, Moses is now speaking these words. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Okay, so this is really, really important to set that context. Are we going to be like Abraham and believe God? Or are we going to look at the giants and be overwhelmed? They have already done this in their history just previous, 40 years before, and a bunch of them that spied out the land said, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. All the cities are fortified, and they're much, much larger than us. They're just going to crush us. Their armies are strong. Their bodies are huge. We can never do it. What? Did you forget Egypt? What? Did you forget what God could do? You were there. You saw God's power. And now Moses is reminding them, you're going to start to feel this again. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Okay, before we get real harsh on the Israelites, you just raised your hand earlier that you feel overwhelmed when you have this challenge in front of you that's very, very big. They're feeling that too. And the question is, what are you going to do with that? And that's where we're going next. So what Moses is saying is, Point number one, don't look to your limitations, look to the Lord. Don't look to your limitations, look to the Lord. But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Don't look at how big the challenge or the problem is. Look at how big your God is. Where are you focused? That's the big issue. Abraham focused on what God could do, not on what his body could do. Abraham focused on what God said. It's his promise. He's claiming it. I believe it's going to happen because he said so. And that's where his focus was. There is an advantage, here's a quote on the screen, to being small in your own eyes. This motivates you to depend on God. There is an advantage to being small in your own eyes. This motivates you 
to depend on God. But here's my experience that doesn't always happen. Just because we're small in our eyes doesn't mean that we're going to depend on God. We have to see our smallness as a reason why we do depend on God. I see a lot of small people that are overwhelmed by challenges and all they ever do is try harder. How's that working for you? It doesn't work for me. We need to see our smallness and cry out to our God and believe his promises, believe what he's able to do for us. Let's move on, verse 21. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. Are you guys ho-humming that? Oh, he is great. He's awesome. We get so used to thinking of how great and awesome he is that we don't think about how great and awesome he is. Why not think about how great and awesome he is with regularity? Focus on him. That's called the habit of worship, is it not? And as you worship and honor him, your great and awesome God is magnified in your heart and in your view and everything inside begins to shift as you focus on how great and awesome your God is. Don't look to your limitations, look to the Lord. Point number two, victory will come incrementally. Victory will come incrementally. Deuteronomy 7.22 says, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. I can guarantee when the Israelites heard this, they were not excited. <laughs> what? You're not going to do the Egypt thing? You're not going to like totally blitz them? <laughs> okay, move in. <laughs> no, it's going to be little by little. You mean we have to fight? Uh-huh. Little by little. They were not excited about this answer. And we tend not to be either. Let's say you're under a mountain of debt. And yes, it was a mistake on your part. Yes, you shouldn't have gotten there. But yes, you're there. And now you're totally motivated to get out of debt. And so what do you do? You pray. And you don't want the answer. You're going to get out of this little by little. I mean, you try it. You give up Starbucks. Every Starbucks coffee drink that you buy every day, you put into the debt relief fund. Three months later, after a horrible three months, <laughs> you look at how much debt has been reduced, and you go, this isn't worth it. Forget it. It'll never happen. That's how we tend to look at things. But you got to go beyond the initial. And what we want to have happen is just pray one prayer. And God gives this miraculous answer. Boom, debt is gone. Auntie that I never knew left me millions. You could do it, right, God? Somebody that I never knew gave me a lottery ticket because I'm not going to buy one. And it's a winner. You could do that, God, right? But God says, no, 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 no. Sometimes, I would say majority of the times, it's going to be little by little. 
Now, what would be the advantage of that? Come on, God, show your glory. Show your strength. I will talk about your glory. I will talk about your strength. But then he's going to say, yeah, but what does that do for you? If you had no part in this, and you never undid this pattern in step-by-step increments of trusting me instead of going with your comforts and going with your spending patterns and going with the little habit patterns that you've established in your life, if you haven't undone this with trust and faith in me and walking step-by-step in faith in me, what will that do for you? You're going to get yourself right back into debt. So I'm going to do it little by little by faith and by this relationship with me. That's why we're told to pray, give us today our daily bread. We can't pray a prayer today about all of 24 or the whole five years to 29 and expect that this prayer today is gonna do it for the five years. He's walking with us every step, every day, and that's how it works. And if we're not working it, we shouldn't be questioning why it's not working. You with me? There's a lot of Christians that want the quick prayer, quick answer, and they're blaming God when they don't get it. And God says, it works like this. Walk with me, trust me every day, and develop this pattern. Deuteronomy 7.22, again, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. Now, if you look at the context, he actually explains for them, not for us, but for them, why this little by little was an important feature, okay? I'll leave that up to you. But I want to read a quote from Levi Lusco next. It's on the screen. Victory isn't one huge thing, and then all of a sudden, you're undefeated. It's a small thing continually repeated. Okay, But we want the one thing, and we want it now, and we want it quick. And God says, no, I want you to learn what this looks like in relationship with me, in faith with me, and walk with me as things change in you as I walk with you. And that is why point number three, make your habits too small to fail. Now, I realize that's a hyperbole. Make your habits too small to fail. Because they can still fail, even if you make your habits too small to fail. The daily steps that you need to think through and get into place are habit steps. They're processes that you find joy in the processes and these habits, even though you can't necessarily even measure the progress as it relates to your goal yet, okay? And you got to establish this and get this going in these small, small, doable steps. Now, I'm gonna encourage you to think in terms of making your steps stupidly small, okay? So, um, Story from my life this week, this last couple of weeks. In our yard, um, we are blessed with really big cat claw trees, okay? I love them. 
I hate them. I love them, but I hate them. Cat claw trees are called cat claw trees because they have cat claws everywhere on their branches. But when you trim them, I love them. They're like this massive Arizona bonsai tree. Beautiful. But man, try to trim them. Because they're worse than octopus. They're cats with a thousand legs with claws all over their legs, and you trim one, and they like grab you everywhere. They, li- they grab your eyelids, their, your earlobes, your lips, your face, your hands, your clothes, 17 limbs on your clothes, and you start to go nuts, and they grab the string on your pole cutter, and you can't get them off. And so what you do, you call for somebody else to bid the job. So we did, and we got two bids. Now, it wasn't a job to trim them up that I got bids for. Our cat claws are blessed with a fungus. They call it rust. Why? Because this fungus looks like clumps of rust all over the tree. And if it infests too far, the cat claws, which I love, let's call them what they are. Acacia trees. The acacia trees, which I love, might die. I love these trees. I don't have to water them. And they look beautiful. I like them. So I put two bids out to cut out all the rush. You know what I discovered? They don't want to do it either. (laughs) They gave me stupidly high bids. Are you kidding me? And so... I decided to develop a different strategy. I'm gonna cut out the rust myself, but the only way I'm gonna get this done is I'm gonna do 10 clumps a day for the rest of my life. (laughs) Now, so it was just this, this concept that I was just gonna break it small so that I can get it done. And if I break it down small, I'll do it. And it worked for me, because if I go 20 clumps or 30 clumps, or I'm gonna do it all day on my day off, it's just like, I am not gonna make my day off my day from hell. (laughs) I I just gotta take a little bit at a time. So after my work, I would go out and fulfill my obligation to cut, cut 10 clumps with a pole cutter. I want that pole to be as long as possible to keep those things as far away from me as possible except for when they're overhead and they fall on you. But anyway, and then you, you cut these things off, okay? Guess what happens? I get out there, one, two, ten, and I don't stop. And that just proves Newton's law, right? Those things that Stay still, stay still. Those things that stay in motion will stay in motion. It's easier to keep in motion with things you put in motion. I'm obliterating Newton's law. But in Newton's law, it's like if you sit on the couch and you're not gonna start, you're you're not gonna get it done, and it's gonna be easier and easier to keep sitting on the couch because it gets harder and harder to think about doing it. No way I'm gonna do it because you aren't gonna have any motion. But you take one step and put it in motion, and pretty soon it's easier to take the next step, and easier to take the next step, and you're gonna get to your 10 clumps, and you're gonna wanna do more. I don't know why, but it's Newton's law. 
and it begins to work. I'm happy to report to you that I'm like one quarter done. All right. <laughs> That's just a, a silly illustration, but here's the thing. The fungus rust in my trees is a really superb illustration of sin in my life. It's destroying the structure. It's not just a surfacey thing. You can cut it back, you gotta cut back so far because it's going down into the system of the whole thing. And I gotta keep working at it. And nobody else is gonna bid it. <laughs> and it's my job. And it's gotta be a matter of faith. And I gotta make it doable with the help of God and stay with it. So maybe for you it's getting in shape. Stop saying, I'm gonna to go to the gym for one hour and do this massive workout. Break it down to stupidly small. Get there, do a push-up. Okay, that's your goal. But every day, do one exercise, but get there. And then it'll start to affect you in the long term. Same thing spiritually. We keep harping on how many of you have a Bible reading habit? Get there. Read it. If you've never developed a Bible reading habit, I don't recommend you're going to do, I'm going to do the whole Bible in one year. I, I, so many people do that. They're just like, they, they don't have what it takes. Some of you do, but I suggest to you, if you're going to start there, make this your goal. Five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. Okay? Make it stupidly easy if you don't have the habit. Then let it grow from there. Now, why is that so important? Because some habits are keystone habits. I forget which author I read that called it keystone habits. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen of what a keystone is. A keystone is that component in a hanging arch that is the keystone. That's why they call it a keystone, okay, that the rest of the arch would fall apart if the keystone is not placed in place. A keystone habit affects all the other habits. Bible study, Bible reading, prayer is, in my opinion, the habit of meeting with God, okay? It's a keystone habit. It affects all the other habits. So we started this whole thing like you can help yourself physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, so on and so forth. I'm telling you, if you want to accomplish a big deal, you've got something at work you want to do, I'm telling you, you should focus on a keystone habit. A keystone habit, in my opinion, is going to make your whole disciplined life flourish. If you don't get this keystone in place, your other lack of discipline will show up everywhere else. But once the Lord is in place in your life and you're trusting him for this next small step, next small step, and every step you take is a small step with God, once you get this in place, it's like it puts joy in your life. It puts victory in your life. It puts a, a measure of doability in your life because now you can focus on the bigness of God instead of trying harder. So here's my plug to get your keystone habit going. Now, Bible reading is so critical because Romans 10, 17 is just one example that says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
Abraham's faith came from hearing God and starting to get to know God and trusting God to the point where he could trust him and believe him. Hearing the message is what actually grows your faith the more time you spend in God's word, which is how he reveals himself. God's word is the record of what he has already revealed, the record of what he's already said, and it's the record that we focus on as we hear this message, your faith increases. And so your keystone habits begin to affect every other area where you feel like all this stuff in my life, I can't do it. I'm unable to do it. It's just the way I am. That goes away because you start focusing on who he is and what he's promised that with you, trusting in him, you've got this. That's a keystone habit. So back to that video that you started with. If you have hurts, habits, hangups, addictions that seem like giants too big for you, I want you to get in the word, get into prayer, get into a group. We have group connects today. Um, check out those groups. If you've got a thing you know is a hang-up, an addiction, a problem, and it's secret and it's private and you're going to need support to get out of this thing, Regen is for you. If you've got, and we all do, stuff that we want to keep private and try to handle it just us and God, and if you've been in this Sin confess, sin confess, sin confess, no change place. This is the breakthrough, folks. Regen stands for regeneration, the result of the good news of Jesus Christ, taking your sins away, empowering you with the Spirit, giving you the steps so that you have a breakthrough and change. Okay? So I urge you to consider going to Regen. All right, hope you're encouraged today. I want to just highlight a couple of things before you break out. Right now is the time for all group leaders. Head out the door and get ready to say hello to all the, everybody else in the, that's coming into the event room to check out the group's prayer team. Go to the prayer station if you need prayer. Maybe this is the prayer you need. Would you pray for me? That regen thing sounds scary. I don't want to go, but would you pray that I want to go and then I'll go? Man, that's a realistic prayer. Maybe there's something else you need prayer for that's totally unrelated to anything I've said today. The prayer team is for you. There's also prayer cards. If you don't want to get up and go to the prayer team, fill out a prayer card, drop it in the offering box on the way out, and the staff will get a hold of these and pray for you as well. Those of you who are guests, the Connect cards are really important to you. They're important to us to help suggest steps that you can take and connect with you and see how we can make this progress in your life that we all want. The bottom line is faith and God's power is how we're going to help all of us take steps from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. Aren't you glad you came today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending the solution to our sin. Thank you for giving us your spirit, literally power from you that's even more powerful than resurrection. And you can help us to rise from a spiritual deadness into a regeneration of new life. Being born again, alive in you, and hearing from you, and enjoying you, and finding that you are where the joy is. We pray that you'd help us take these kind of steps and make these steps our habit, 
our joy, our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.